Yeah, so yesterday I was out staining my deck, and my phone rang, and it was Kevin, Pastor Kevin Meyer, and he was like, what are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) Um, And uh, he told me that Tim had become ill and was in the hospital, and, um, you know, it's interesting, because this series, uh, Be the Message, is something that if I were to pick a series to speak in, this would have been it. Now, I, I don't want to think that this happened to Tim so that I could be here, but I'm really happy to be here this morning. You know, last week, uh, George Kenworthy started this series, uh, Be the Message, and I love, like Mike said, I love this concept because it really fits with how I see my faith, and I think it fits so well with how Jesus intended for us to live out our faith. And it it reminds me of that little quote by St. Francis of Assisi who said, Preach Christ with all your might, and do you know the rest of it? And if you must, use words. Yeah, so Jesus was pretty hard on people uh, whose words and actions didn't match up very well because he was all about letting our lives be the message. Um, So this morning, I want to tell you uh, some stories that I think illustrate this concept And, you know, there are different ways that you can let your life uh, be the message. And some of those are good, and some of them, you know, maybe are kind of questionable. And I thought I would start with a questionable story first. This is a funny, odd little story that uh, that illustrates, I think, the wrong way to be the message, and I'll explain it later. So um, I was scheduled to speak at this uh, Lutheran church down in Eden Prairie a few years ago, and um, a couple months before it happened, the pastoral staff of this church said, we want to take you out to coffee. And this happens quite a bit with me where they want to check me out first. And it's probably a smart thing for them to do. Uh, but we were sitting outside at Caribou Coffee right here in Wyzetta. And they were asking me questions and things were going along okay. And then all of a sudden the senior pastor looks at me and he goes, Terry, have you ever been to a drive-in movie theater? And I'm going... Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that. And he goes, uh, why did you go to the drive-in movie theater? And I thought, this is a trick question, I think, <laughs> to see a movie. And he goes, well, he goes, let me, let me tell you a story. So he said, before um, I be- decided to become a pastor, before I went to seminary, I asked a girl to a drive-in movie theater. And he said, I had intentions of making out with this girl. And I'm going, okay, this is kind of an interesting discussion here with the... And he said, so we get to the theater, you know, and we, you know, pull up your car and you put that little speaker in the window. Do you remember those? And uh, the movie starts and he said, you know, I started kissing her. And he said, I was about 15 seconds into it and I realized this was a horrible mistake. You know, and I kind of look at him like, well, what? And he said, she was a terrible kisser. In fact, he said, it was painful because she kissed too hard, you know, and I'm going, okay, where are we going with this? And he said, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to get out of this? And all of a sudden, there was a knock on his window, and he looks over, and there was a woman standing there with her hands on her hips, and she's like, you know, roll down your window. This was back when windows actually rolled down, and uh, he rolled down his window, and he goes, what? And she goes, knock it off. And he goes, what? She said, 
knock it off. He said, you're you're flashing your brake lights at us. Stop it. (laughs) And he said, I think I was subconsciously just trying to make it stop. So he had been pumping the brakes. And one of the pastors who was with us that day, he said, that's love, baby. And, and the pastor who was telling the story said, it sure didn't feel like love. And as soon as he said that, I had this mental flash to us, the church, we, we Christians. And I thought, you know, I wonder if sometimes we kiss too hard. You know, if you look over the past 50 years, well, actually, maybe the past 2,000 years, and I think there are times where we've had different approaches where, you know, maybe we throw truth at people like a 96-mile-per-hour fastball and we throw it right over the, the plate of their hearts, you know, and they swing in a miss. And sometimes I think in, in our history of the church, we were almost happy when they swung and they missed, and we were going like, what, you can't handle the truth? You know, we, we kiss too hard. Um, and then sometimes, I think we've gotten into this thing where we tell people more what we're against than what we're for. And we kiss too hard. And sometimes, you know, we come off as kind of judgmental. I mean, if you look at some of the surveys of what, how people view the church and how people view Christians, one of the number one things they say is we're judgmental. We kiss too hard. And sometimes we get into protesting and boycotting things. We kiss too hard. You know, whatever happened to love? What happened to an arm around a shoulder? Maybe a kiss on the cheek. In Matthew 22, Jesus said, well, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So think about that. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't even say, evangelize your neighbor as yourself. I think he was saying, don't kiss too hard. Love is the opener. Love opens hearts. Not condemnation, not even evangelism, love. If we don't have love, we have no right to evangelize. And really, if you think about it, we have nothing to evangelize if we don't have love. Because if God is love and we're doing it without love, we're doing it without God. So love is the, uh, it's all predicated on love. I want to do a little experiment with you guys. Everybody, uh, Take in a big breath right now and hold it, okay? Okay, you're all holding it. Okay, don't let it out. Now take in another big breath. Okay, now take another one. Doesn't work very well, right? Okay, do the opposite. Everybody blow out all of your air and don't, don't breathe in. Now blow out some more and some more. How's this working for you? Okay, so what we've discovered here is there are two parts to breathing, right? We take in what we can't live without, and we expel what we can't live with. Both are critical to living. And you know what? Spiritually, living and breathing is the same way. We take in God's love, and then we give it out. Uh, If we haven't taken it in, 
we really don't have a very healthy oxygen to give out to people. And if all we do is take it in, we become kind of a stagnant pool of God's love because it's not, we're not getting fresh batch in. We're just holding that in because we can't get any more because we haven't given it out. Being the message is something that only healthy inhalers of God's love can do. Why? Because God created us to be recipients of his love. And you know, it's an interesting thing about our design. He did not design us to be able to hold all of his love. He designed us in a way that the only way that we could get more of his love was if we started to give it out. So what happens is, uh, with God, we, we inhale his love. We can't keep it all in. We get saturated with it, and now it, look, it starts looking for a way out. So it's almost like God's love starts coming out through our pores. And now when we go through our days and we rub shoulders with people, we get a little God on them. We get God's love on them. And it isn't even an intentional sort of thing. You know, when we're healthy inhalers, it's an unconscious thing. What's happening is we're just letting out what's in us, and, and it comes out naturally. It's the result of love saturation, basically. And God didn't call us to be spectators. He didn't say, love God, and then sit around in church. You know, he said, oh, there's a second thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was saying, don't just inhale, exhale. Don't just do church, be the church. Don't just uh, talk the message, be the message. So what does that look like? Do we have to look religious all the time? Do we have to smile like a TV preacher? Do we have to poof our hair, whiten our teeth, wear religious bling? Do we have to be weird? Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. Don't you love that? So, here's one of my favorite stories that I think illustrates this inhaling, exhaling thing. A few years back, I met this woman named Tookie. It's like cookie, but with a T. Tookie is as original as her name kind of implies. I mean, she is a a one-of-a-kind. And one day, I got a phone call, and there was this boisterous woman on the other end, and she said, Terry, is this Terry? I go, yeah, this is Terry. Who's this? Tookie. It's like, and she actually said, it's like cookie with a T. I go, okay. She said, I just got out of jail. Somebody gave me a copy of your book, the Surprise Me book, while I was in jail, and I read it, and she said, I think I want you to come and do this at our recovery meeting. And I said, well, uh, do you have the authority to bring me in to do this? And she goes, no, but I'll get it. And about a week later, I got a call from Rhonda, the uh, administrator of this uh, recovery program, which was, by the way, a non-faith-based recovery program in St. Paul. And she said, Tookie won't shut up about you and the surprise me thing until I bring you in. So she said, how would you like to come in for the next four Thursday nights and just go through this with our group? And I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So uh, I went to the first Thursday night group, and there were like 15 or 20 people sitting around in a circle. 
About half of them were wearing ankle bracelets, not the decorative kind. Um, and this was a unique group of people, let me tell you. And there were, there were people there of all faiths and no faith. Um, and I'm going, how is this going to work? <laughs> but I kind of went through it and I said, here's what it is. And we had a great discussion that first night. And by the way, I should explain very quickly, uh, this, that book is based on this experiment I did where I woke up every day for 30 days and I prayed, surprise me, God. And, and then I kept a journal of what happened during those 30 days. So, and I traveled around a lot speaking and introducing that in churches. So we're doing this thing, you know, with this group. And at the end of the first session, Tookie goes, okay, everybody, talking to the group. She goes, Terry's really into this God thing. She goes, me, not so much. She said, you don't have to bring God into this. What you can do is just get up every morning and just say, surprise me to the universe. And then just see what happens. And, you know, there are times when you choose your fights. <laughs> and I said, whatever you say, Tookie. Came back the next um, Thursday night. And um, we... Now these people had been doing it for a week, and some of them had some pretty interesting stories, and we had a great discussion that night. And at the end of the evening, Tookie said something that I love. She goes, okay, I'll give you this. I'm going to start praying, surprise me, God, but it's God with a little G. <laughs> and I go, okay, Tookie, whatever. You know, you do, do what you want to do. Came back for the third Thursday night, and... Uh, and people were telling stories, and there were some really interesting stories of things that were happening. The fourth Thursday night, you know, we're wrapping this up. Some people's lives were really being changed at this point, and they were telling just these wonderful stories of how God was meeting them in their days. And at the end of it, Tookie said something that, I, that I'll never forget, and I love it. Of course, Tookie said a lot of things I'll never forget. <clears throat> She said, she looked around the group and she said, well, I want you all to know something. The G is getting bigger. And I thought, well, that's a great description of somebody who's taking steps toward a faith, steps toward this God who loves her. So Tookie and I became really good friends after that. And um, Tookie called me almost every day, sometimes... Uh, Sometimes every other day. And then she emailed me all the time. And I actually, I haven't ever showed this to anybody, but I've kept a course, uh, copies of a lot of the correspondence I've had with Tookie over the last few years. And I've got about 100 pages of stuff. In fact, I think I should maybe do a book just about the story of Tookie, which might kind of be an interesting title. So the thing about Tookie is, Tookie had chosen uh, an alternative lifestyle, and she had some Christians who had come up to her through her life and were very hateful to her. And partly because of that, Tookie said, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. I'm done with Jesus. So now, after going through this thing with her recovery group and spending time with me, Tookie goes, okay, well, maybe I should revisit this Jesus character. But she said, I can't really separate the name Jesus from these people who hated me. So she said, 
would it be okay if I just changed his name to Bobby? And I go, I guess so. <laughs> so she said, you know, we're just going to call him Bobby from now on. Um, and, uh, and then, so, so this continued on. And one day I know we were out for coffee and she had a piece of paper. And she wrote something on the paper. And then she turned it around and she slid it across the table to me. And it simply said, I trust your truth. And what she meant by that was, I've come to realize that you actually care about me, that you love me. And because of that, I'm willing to consider what you think is truth because I trust you. And then uh, a few months later, I I remember I was driving in my car and I get a a phone call and it's Tookie. And she goes, Terry, guess what? I'm going, what? She said, I'm no longer an atheist. I go, well, great. She goes, guess what else? What? I'm no longer an agnostic. And I go, so what does this make you, Tookie? And she answered with one word. She said, ready, which I thought was another great picture. Now, I I don't want to make this story too perfect because Tookie has been on this journey since then, you know, faith, doubt, um, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Who hasn't been on an up-and-down spiritual journey in their life, right? Mine's been that way. And, you know, I'm guessing if we're all honest, we've, had, we've all had some of that. So fast forward a little bit further down the road. I get a call from Tookie one day, and she says, Terry, um, uh, Ruth and I have to move to Indiana. We're losing our house. Uh, they were financially strapped. Um, and I want to get together one more time. I said, sure, I, obviously, I'd love to do that. I said, when are you moving? She goes, next Wednesday. I'm going, really? I said, um, how are you moving? She said, oh, we're going to rent a truck. These are two women in their 60s, not very healthy. And I said, well, how are you going to load the truck? She goes, I don't know, we'll figure it out. I said, well, I know how you're going to load the truck. I'm going to call a bunch of friends, and we're going to show up Wednesday afternoon, we're going to load the truck for you. And she goes, listen, mister, I'm going to hang up the phone now, and I'm calling you back in five minutes. You think about what you just said. <laughs> and I said, you don't have to call me back, Tookie. I, you know, I want to do this. So I hung up. I called a bunch of friends, some of them from this church. And I said, we're going to, how would you like to spend an afternoon in the hot summer loading a truck full of possessions for somebody you've never met. They go, sure, that sounds great. (laughs) And I'm not actually kidding. They actually said, that sounds great. And I said, well, but there's another hitch to this. I'm going to ask you each to bring along a $100 bill. And I got a good group of people who said, yeah, let's do it. Um, A few years ago, Mary and I started something we call the 100 Buck Club, where when we find out about somebody who's really suffering financially, going through a tough time, We call up a bunch of friends and say, show up tonight at their house at 7 o'clock and everybody's going to give them $100. So we were going to do that with Tookie. So anyhow, Wednesday came around and we all showed up, walked into their house. They hadn't packed yet. Um, And they had had way too many cats. (laughs) Sorry for all of you cat people there, but 
It's like cats were jumping down on you as you were carrying boxes. And, um, but I have to tell you that this was, uh, you've all moved before or you've moved your kids or somebody. It's not that much fun, is it? And people tend to get a little testy at times, you know. I'm telling you, this was not like that at all. It was like, it was like this God party happening in their house. You know, and, and we were tearing doors apart to get furniture out, and luckily Devon Eklund uh, was there, so he spent most of his day putting the house back together <laughs> after we tore it apart to get everything out. And uh, by the end of the afternoon, we had loaded the truck, 28-foot truck or whatever, all the way up to the back, barely got the door shut. And then my wife, Mary, had packed a picnic lunch for everybody. So, and there were no tables left, so we put blankets on the lawn outside of uh, her house. And, uh, you know, before we ate, we were all standing around this blanket and the food in a circle and I was going to pray and uh, give thanks, and Tookie stopped me. She said, before you do that, she said, can I have a couple of minutes? I want to go around the group, and I want to look in each person's eyes. And she said, I want them to see my gratitude, but I want to see what's inside them. And she did that. I mean, it was kind of awkward, you know, because she took time and looked at everybody. And when she finished, she said, you're all friends of Bobby, aren't you? <laughs> of course, then I had to explain that to everybody who was there. And then she said, wait, no, better yet, you're spooks of Bobby because you show up out of nowhere to do good. And I didn't say this to Tookie, but I'm going... Wow, that's profound, because if we have the Spirit in us, we are spooks of Bobby. You know, that, that was just a great thing. So, so then um, I actually handed her the card, and everybody who was there had signed the card. She op- and she already had tears coming down her eyes. She opens the card, and there are these, you know, about $2,000 of cash in there. And they, she had told me that she didn't know where they were going to get the money to buy the gas to move to Indiana. And when she opened that card, she said something, and, and this is a direct quote, okay? She said, what the H is wrong with you people? <laughs> and I've never heard anybody say that and mean it in a loving way. But I think what she was saying is, what's different about you people? Why would you do this? And she told me that later on that evening, her neighbors came over. Her neighbors were standing across the street most of the day going like this. She said, our neighbors came over and uh, they said, who were those people? And Tookie said, I don't know. I've met one of them before. The rest were perfect strangers. And they said, no. She said, yeah, never met him before. You know, I wonder how many Tookies are walking around Wyzetta? How many Tookies are in Plymouth? How many Tookies are in Minneapolis, St. Paul? 
I think, I think God brings two kinds of people into our lives, beach balls and footballs. Okay, like if you're at a game and somebody throws out a beach ball and it comes to you, what do you do? Tip it up, send it on its way, right? I think God brings people into our lives and some of them we're supposed to give them a little encouragement, give them a nudge, send them on their way. Send them on to another spook of Bobby. But sometimes God throws a football at us. And when a football comes, you don't tip it up, right? You catch it, you tuck it, and you run with it. Sometimes you run five yards, sometimes you run ten, sometimes you run to the finish. Sometimes God throws somebody at you and you spend a week with them. Sometimes it's a lifetime commitment. God threw me a football named Tookie, and I've never regretted catching her because I love her. But, you know, sometimes God, when he, he takes a five-step drop and he rifles a football at us, I think sometimes we see the football coming through the air and we go, eee. That looks like a high-maintenance football, <laughs> you know, or kind of dirty, kind of smelly. Maybe I'll just let this one fall. <laughs> or maybe it's like, wow, they're really rich and arrogant. I don't like those kind of people. So we let the football drop. Or we pretend to catch it. You know, what I want to challenge you with is God doesn't make mistakes. If he threw a ball your way, you were intended to catch it. You were maybe created to catch that ball, that person. If we want to be in the game of loving our neighbor, of being the message, we've got to trust the guy throwing the ball because that ball was meant for you. So here's my challenge for you this morning. And I, I want to say, I hope you understand that I'm not telling this like, wow, look at what I did with this, because I, if I were to be honest with you, I've dropped my share of balls. <laughs> and I've done it intentionally many times. But I, I don't want to do that anymore, because I don't think that's the way to live. And I want you to know that if you say yes to those nudges, as Andrea talked about, that nudge from the Spirit. If you say yes to those, the story, your story is going to become much more interesting. And you won't know what story might have developed if you let that ball drop. It'll be a story that was completely missed. Think about this. If God has written his story into you, and let's say, if we're anybody here who's a Christ follower, he has written his story into you. If he's done that, now he wants to write you into his story. How humbling is that? The creator of the universe wants to write us into this story. He wants us to catch. He wants us on his team, catching the balls that he throws. What a privilege, what an honor. And you know, I want to tell you, it's the greatest, most interesting, most adventuresome, 
possibly the most scary, but certainly most fulfilling story that you could ever find yourself in. So go out, breathe deeply, inhale the love of God, then exhale it. Rub shoulders and get God on the world. Grow the G in yourself and then grow the G in others. Become a spook of Bobby. Catch the ball, tuck it, run, protect it, love it. Let's pray. God, we don't want to just do something for you. We want you to do something through us, with us. So throw us the ball. Put burning bushes in our paths. Help us to literally be your message this week. Bless these people as they go out and do that. Amen.